Whenever I have a new idea for an app, one of the first things I do is go find a domain name for it. The company I use and have used for years is Hover.com. Hover.com has a clean and easy to use interface. They don't try to upsell me on a bunch of services I don't want or need, and they provide free who is masking for the domains I register. So if I register a domain that's not directly tied to devchat.tv, people don't need to know that I'm the one that owns it. They also offer domains with all kinds of top level domains like .codes and .computer, and others like .coffee and .pizza. So when you have your next idea strike, go to hover.com slash javascript to get it. Once again, that's hover.com slash javascript. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another JavaScript Jabber show. This week on our panel, we have Corey House. Hi, everybody. Amy Knight. Hello from Nashville. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, Austin McDaniel. How's it going, everyone? Austin, do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, so I do a lot of Angular development, and um, I'm a panelist on Angular Air, and I just really have a passion for JavaScript, and I've been doing it for about 10 years now, way before like everyone thought it was cool. Now the joke's on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, recently, um, mostly I do front-end development, but recently I had an opportunity to work on some back-end stuff, and so... I kind of incorporated some of the ideas around some of the front-end development that I've done, um, and specifically with Angular, into kind of a, a back-end concept. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Cool. So do you want to kind of give us some context or get us started with this topic? It's not one that I'm super familiar with. So, Yeah. So Node.js is an event loop, right? There's no way that we can really scope the context of a call stack. So let's say I make a node request to my server and I want to you know, track throughout the lifecycle that node request. Well, there's all kinds of like middleware for KOA to like, and, and express to you know, create unique IDs. So it just like kind of associates that and put, puts that on the request object. But once we're like pretty deep in the scope, right, we're pretty deep in our code, it's not easy to get that, you know, that unique ID or maybe, um, maybe we're not, maybe we're using, we have a user scenario and I want to be able to get the user, um, from Passport.js that I hooked up and, you know, way down in my scope, I want to be able to grab that user. And so, other languages like Java and Python and C Sharp, they have this concept called thread local storage. And this is basically a concept that because there's threads, right, every request, I can associate context with that thread. And then throughout the lifecycle of that request, I can actually retrieve that context. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today is how do we implement that concept of like thread context in JavaScript where there's no threads and it's event loop and it's all asynchronous and, you know, we have functions and things like that and how we actually do that. And there's actually a, um, a TC39 proposal for zones. And a zone uh, basically allows you to do what I just described. I can create new zones and associate data with those zones so I can associate unique IDs for my requests I can, you know, associate a user. So maybe I'm, I've got some middleware, passport.js middleware that 
um, that retrieves a user on each request. I can associate that user. So later on down the stack, I can, you know, kind of see who requested this and, you know, maybe even use it in my logging. And it basically uh, allows us to like scope these, a series of asynchronous function calls and create a context around these. Um, you can't really do this right now without a lot of hackery. So basically, you know, like your first thought is like, okay, I can just like put that on like a global storage object or some type of session and retrieve that out. But that's like kind of pricey having to interact back and forth with the database. And now you're having to pass some like key around to grab all that stuff. So this allows us to actually like kind of scope those requests and be able to capture context all the way down. The example that really made it clear to me, and I think this was on the TC39 GitHub page, was um, the error handling when you're chaining promises. And so like a lot of times we'll put a dot catch and it'll, you know, we're, we don't know like what specifically it's catching. And so it sounds like with zoned, you can, um, you can get the context of the correct one, like for uh, also for like stack traces, I think you said too. Yeah, yeah. So one way that I'm actually using it is for capturing stack traces and associating like unique IDs with the request. So you made a request. I I made a unique ID for that. Now if there's like a error, um, I can capture that stack request and associate that back to the actual request that happened. Otherwise, it's just like some vague error that happened. So zones are, you know, they're a TC39 proposal, there's still a proposal. So you're probably like, you know, this sounds great and all, but can I actually use this today? And how would I use this? And, you know, what are kind of like, how do I go about using it? And zones, they're not a new concept. You know, we talked about using thread context for it. Um, but for JavaScript, I think they go back to where I first saw them, was when Angular 2 was kind of first conceived. They were using zones for change detection. So if a component had a, a certain like event that happens in it, and I want to isolate the, the change in that component to only that component and create like a scope for it, they use zones to accomplish that. And it was really quite clever I don't know if I'm a huge fan of how it worked out because it, it gets a little quirky. Um, but when I was actually developing out my node service, I was like, okay, I think zones could be really cool here. Um, and so I kind of went about using that same, that same library that Angular actually uses in my node backend. And they've got a specific uh, implementation for node actually. Um, so essentially what that kind of library does is it is really hokey. Um, it basically monkey patches all of the functions and, you know, kind of creates a scope and just passes that scope all the way down to your functions. So it, it's really kind of hokey how it works um, in the end, but it actually does a good job capturing um, that information. Um, I actually wrote a blog post about this and in how to use, you know, zones with capturing these these stack traces and things like that. 
And, you know, zones are still stage zero and zone JS, which is the library that Angular uses is still pretty new. So it's, it's kind of, it's, it's still a work in progress, but I think, you know, if you can start to, once you start using them and if you're familiar with other languages, you can really see the value that these kind of bring. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of envisioning how this works in node. So you just in install the library and that's, that's all you really need to get this together. Or is there more to it than that? Yeah, so npm install zone.js, and then you can, what I actually did is I created a middleware function for KOA, and in that middleware function, I just forked, you know, you do, you type zone.current, and then you fork the zone, and that basically takes the current, like, zone that you're in, and creates a new isolated zone for that, uh, for that, you know, fork. And when I do that, I can create a name for it so that I can associate it back in my in my call stack, um, and I can assign properties to it. And then later on down the road, um, I can do zone.current.git, and I can retrieve any of those properties, whether I'm at the top level of my request or you know ten steps down in, in a function that has no context of the actual HTTP request. So uh, does the zone library, is this something that you created or is it something that the Google team created? The Google team created it and it was kind of first introduced in 2014 when Angular 2 was kind of first getting conceived. And they essentially use it on front-end development for change detection now. Right. So is the TC39 proposal like based on this library or are there pretty substantial differences? I, um, I, I can't say this for sure, but I, I have a strong feeling that the TC39 proposal came out of this library, right? You know, yeah, looking at, yeah, looking at the authors, that's my guess, but <laughs> yeah, I, I have a, a strong feeling that Google had something to do with that proposal. <laughs> so, so did you say which stage the proposal is in right now? It's stage zero right now. Okay. And I, there, there's actually a couple different libraries out there um, that allow you to do this. I think I've seen um, some, they all refer to to these as zones. So it's easy to kind of find all the different different ones. I think zone.js is, is probably the most popular just due to kind of forced adoption through Angular. <laughs> um, so I mean, if I were looking to, you know, add this to my stack and, and start using zones, I, I would definitely go with that one. It's going to be a little more tried and, and battle tested because of, you know, the, the number of people using it for front end development. So one other thing that I'm wondering about is with zones, I keep thinking that it would be nice if you could like clone a thread and pick up all of the information you put into the zone so that you essentially have a copy in the new thread. Is, is there an easy way to do that or to just copy the, you know, the, the local information from one thread to another? Yeah, I think the best way to, to go about that would just be uh, manually copying um, it. And I, but I'm not entirely sure. When you fork it, it might keep the same context. Um, I know when you're when you when you're multiple zones deep, 
you can always walk up the chain and get context. Um, so if, if I'm like three zones deep in a, uh, you know, I've forked the zone three different times throughout like the life cycle of a request. When I ask my zone to get the current context, it will always walk up the context for me. So you can always go upward in that and get like your first context object that you had. So th there is that. Um, in terms of like forking it, I would assume you, would, you could just like copy it and just, you know, in your next fork, just, you know, create a, create a, you know, a, a clone function or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know with processes, it works a little bit different and you get like copy on write and things like that. So, um, you know, essentially it just refers back to the context in the parent process until it, you know, it needs to write something different and then it copies it over. And I, you know, I was just wondering if there were certain optimizations like that built in. Uh, yeah, not that I'm aware of, you know, it, it was, this this concept was heavily inspired by the the Java implementation mm -hmm. of thread local storage, and so since we you know don't really have any threads in JavaScript and an event loop, this is kind of like a, a a monkey patch way to create that that fake thread, I guess. Don't wait for users to report problems. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. You can replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files and having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. It has full support for JavaScript and all other major languages and platforms. It takes less than 10 minutes to set up and you can get a free 14-day trial by going to raygun.com and signing up today. So I can't remember, is stage zero like the just, it's still in proposal stage, nobody's actually, you know looking to put it in or is it imminent? I don't remember which way is which for yeah. TC39. I, I stage zero means like this is bound to change quite a bit. Like right. okay. I think, I think the fact that it's even in a stage though means it's like semi going to happen perhaps, but I could be wrong with that. Um, so I, I'm not entirely sure. I, I know from reading, you know, if you look at uh, Babel.js, they have, like, they show you the different stages of the plugins that you can include. And, like, stage zero is, like, this is going to change a bunch <laughs> mm -hmm. um, from the actual implementation. But with so many people, you know, already using Zone.js and, and the proposal looking very similar to that, I think you could probably assume that, you know, it's going to be... Um, you know, pretty similar to that. It's kind of like what happened with decorators in JavaScript. You know, everyone was, you know, talking like, okay, like let's throw out this idea for decorators. And they're like, no, this is like still experimental. And everyone just loved them. And next thing you know, like they're moving ahead with that implementation. Mm -hmm. It sounds like from the link that I just posted that listeners can look at that like stage zero is literally just maybe like the implementation stage where they're gathering input from everyone. Right. Gotcha. So it's not even at the, that's the straw man stage. So yeah. It's not even really at the proposal mm -hmm. yeah. stage at that point. So implementation may vary, enter at your own risk. <laughs> so 
One question I wanted to ask, one of the use cases, I think it was that you pointed out in your article, it was either that or on the TC39 proposal page, was um, about profiling. So if I'm using like something like New Relic, is it using uh, Zone.js under the hood, do you know? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I would assume they've got to do something like that because they've got, you know, if you're doing profiling, you've got to have some way to be able to insert yourself in between all the calls. And that's kind of what Zone is doing and just providing context with that. I doubt they're probably using Zone.js for that, but they could be. Um, but it, it's kind of a very similar implementation to, you know, doing tracing and inserting, you know, logging in between all the different calls, you know, your timeouts, your promises, all those things. And, and Zone kind of does the same thing there. So one thing that I'm looking at with this is that, um, I mean, I can see maybe not needing something like zones, but if you do have this problem, it seems like a rather simple solution. So, I mean, well, what are the nuances? Why isn't everybody doing this that has this particular problem? I think it's just still pretty new. In the JavaScript world, like, it starts off, you know, I have an idea and everyone has tons of ideas and, and just one of them has got to take off and then you'll, it just kind of explodes very rapidly. And so, you know, I, I see like people using this. Um, I know it can be frustrating to work with a little bit in front end development just because it can be, it can miss your zones and you have to manually run them and things like that. But in terms for like an implementation like node, uh, you're not really trying to do like change detection. All you're trying to do is create like a context there. So I don't know why, um, you know, if you, if you're wanting to create like these thread contexts, um, I, I would recommend it. I, I'm using it in my application. I, it's working pretty well. The downside is like when you have an exception, it can get pretty crazy with the call stack there. So like an exception could, you know, be a hundred lines of zone or of zone traces. And so it gets, it can get pretty difficult when you just have like a thrown error and you, you know, an und you needed an undefined check or something like that. Um, so that, that's kind of one of the downsides and plus sides I see. Um, but in general, I, I think it's kind of just, out there right now and i think you know uh people are starting to use it and and you know maybe it'll catch on soon maybe it won't um but i think it's a pretty elegant solution for the problem at hand if you if you're trying to achieve this like and and this is not like a totally new concept either um you know like i said java python Python 3, C-sharp, they all have these concepts. Mm -hmm. And so it's really just a matter of time until like JavaScript picks it up and it's mainstream. One thing to note that um, I had some issues with when I was actually working on it is nodes native async await. Um, like there's currently a bug and it's locked on the project. And essentially the kind of the async await hooks that are there are still kind of up in the air. Um, and the team is having to wait on, uh, the Google team's having to wait on Node.js community to kind of 
provide some additional information so that they can actually finish that up. Um, so, so that is like one caveat, like if you're using async await at, in your node, which probably everyone is, um, and you try to use zones, your context is going to get lost. Um, I'm actually using TypeScript uh, in my node implementation. So it was really easy just to transpile that down one level. So it's using generators instead. And I don't have that problem. And it's a temporary workaround um, for me. Well, that's good to know. Are there any other gotchas in setting this up in Node? Um, not really. It's, uh, it's pretty straightforward. Um, and, and the biggest issue I had was like it mysteriously like missing my my uh, uh, context with async await. Uh, you have to be mindful though. Like sometimes you might expect it to work and it's not really going to work because it's not actually in the context. It's like a static context. So like if you have like some global listener and you're expecting to be able to get zone contents, context in that like global and it's static, you're not going to be able to do that. So you've got to kind of be aware of how you're, you really have to be aware of how you're actually um, using zones and where you use them so that you can get the expected results. Does this affect your ability to test your software at all? No, I haven't had any issues with actual testing. The, you know, the, the one thing that you might need to accommodate for is if you're um, expecting, uh, you know, certain contexts to be present, you'll have to, you know, mock those up in your, in your test. But as long as you do that, um, the testing should be pretty straightforward. All the usages really where I'm taking advantage of, I'm taking advantage of these is, um, really kind of at the HTTP layer. So it's not really very far down, uh, down the chain. So, um, testing it, uh, it has been fairly easy. What do you guys think? Is this something, uh, you, you think you're going to add to your next project? I think it's something that's definitely worth trying, at least from my standpoint. It'll be interesting to see how it plays with things like Passenger or you know some of the other web uh, web servers out there and just how they work. Uh, I know that you know Passenger spins up threads to manage requests, and so you know something like this would play nicely there. But I know that not all of them work that way, so. It'd be interesting to see where this really shines and where it really doesn't. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you have, you know, if every request is is getting routed to its own new thread, then this really isn't, you know, that groundbreaking and and huge for you. But if you've got, you know, you're you're taking advantage and you're spreading this out and you're, you know. Uh, you know, load balancing, and you could have all kinds of different, you know, processes capturing the same different requests. And I mean, it, it's a it's a good solution to the problem of that. All right. Well, it looks like we've exhausted it. It's just you know, kind of a simple idea. Anything else yeah. you want to add before we go do picks? No, I, I think it's uh, it's definitely something that everyone should check out. Um, it's not gotten a lot of huge traction 
in the node community just because I think it's so new and, and it's really, you know, being leveraged mainly on the front end right now. But I, I think it's a rather elegant solution to the problem at hand. And you can really kind of uh, solve some interesting problems around, you know, capturing context, whether it's for, you know, debugging or, you know, passing users around and things like that. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. And if you go check them out at the show's link, that's hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber, you can get double the hiring bonus that they offer. That's $600 instead of $300. So go check them out at hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber today. Corey, do you want to start us off with picks? Yeah, sure. I'll start. Uh, I got a new toy this week. I bought uh, Apple's AirPods. And uh, after finally figuring out how to <laughs> put them in my ears properly where they don't nice. look quite as goofy, um, they're working pretty well. I, I still have I love to bike and uh, I can't say I feel comfortable riding with these in my ears because I'm just picturing one falling out and, and falling off into the ether down into the ditch and I'd never find it again. Um, but I, I will say I think this is this feels more interesting than I thought because it's the first set of headphones I've ever had that literally I can't detect that they're in. Uh, once they're in your ear, it's just, you forget that they're there. And I've even had my kids come up and go, Hey dad, what's in your ear? And I forget, Oh yeah, I was listening to something a half hour ago and I just never took them out. Uh, so I think that's an interesting future that we have uh, the whole augmented human thing. This is a, a little preview of it. So that's my pick. Awesome. Amy, do you have some picks? Sure. So I'm going to go with some of the articles on the ThoughtRim blog about uh, zones because those are really good. So I'll put those in the show notes. And then the other one is just a music pick since I seem to be on a kick with this lately. Um, it's a band called Blackmill. It's kind of like dubstep again, uh, but it's good like coding music. So I'll put a link for that in the show notes too. That's it for me. Nice. Um, speaking of music, one that I've been listening to a bunch lately is it's a playlist on Amazon. So you can just tell your Echo to play it. You tell it to play the classical reading playlist and it's just classical music, but it's kind of set with a rhythm and uh, type of music that uh, allows me to just kind of get into the zone. Um, you know, sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm in the mood for techno type music and sometimes I'm in the mood for bluegrass and sometimes i'm in the mood for you know the the technical you know the or the classical music so when i'm in the mood for that it just it goes it's really awesome so i'll i'll pick that and then 
Um, one other thing is uh, last week I wound up building a, a project uh, for my dad. And by building a project, I mean we went down to the hardware store and we bought lumber and we put in a set of stairs in his garage. Um, the set of stairs that he had before just weren't working for him. He has um, He had a hip surgery that went wrong. And so he has nerve damage in one of his legs and it's just hard for him to get around. And so, um, you know, I went in and basically with my father-in-law, we built a, a set of stairs that ha we added two stairs to the staircase and uh, took two inches off, two and a half inches off of the rise of each step so he can get up on his own, put some railings in, things like that. Um, and, you know, it's funny because Sometimes I'm like, I need to relax. And so I'll go build a cutting project. And sometimes I'm really burned out. And just working on something that's not code is what I need. And so I'm just going to go ahead and pick that. I should probably start picking power tools. Um, Dave Kimura on the Ruby Rogues podcast tends to do that on that show. Um, but yeah, maybe that'll be my thing for the next little while. Just picking power, power. tools. <laughs> I like it. But yeah, um, Loving that. Anyway, Austin, what are your picks? Yeah, so since I do a lot of front-end development, um, the NGRX library, which is Redux um, with observables using RxJS, uh, hit version 4.0 um, this week or late last week. And so and it, it was released, and it was a really smooth upgrade, and it really brought a lot of features that I had kind of been wanting that I had kind of been hacking around. So um, if you're, you know, doing Redux development and you want to kind of use RxJS and some of those concepts, it's a, it's a great tool to check out. Awesome. I should probably also plug Angular Dev Summit here real quick. Um, so if you want to come watch it, it is free to watch live. And then if you want access to the videos and the chat room and all the other stuff, we'll have chats during the talks, but the Slack room that's ongoing will be part of the paid package as well. But you can come and participate in those talks for free. And that's angulardevsummit.com. Um, and that's in the middle of September, so you probably need to get tickets pretty soon. Um, Austin, if people want to follow you on Twitter or GitHub or see what you're working on these days or jump on Angular Air when you guys are doing that, what do they do? Yeah, so I tweet quite frequently. I'm all about JavaScript. So um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, you can follow me A-M-C-D-N-L. And that's my same GitHub name. Um, and uh, I'm really active on GitHub as well with open source projects. Um, some that are nodes, some that are you know front-end focused. Um, so yeah, check those out. Awesome. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Thanks for coming, Austin. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Well, we will uh, catch everyone next week. Bye. See ya. See ya. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.